0: Welcome to The Pessel, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie making process. Hosted by Opinions. Your idea is terrible, but mine is very good. Now, let's dim the lights and start the show. Oh, that's my
1: favorite one. Did you write that? <laughs> I did, I did. I work on these. All right, you should be a writer, man. I'll work on that. I love how we're not going to act like we didn't just do that twice because I'm an idiot and didn't exactly. (laughs) I didn't either. It's fine. We're really good. We're professionals. Yes. Welcome everybody to the Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Satan's Carnival, the film sweeping the Lower West Side, made by religious zealots for religious zealots. Catch Satan's Carnival at your local rental house.
0: Well, There's so much wrong with everything. You everything just said. is wrong. Uh, Welcome uh, everybody to the puzzle.
1: I am Wes and I am Todd, <laughs> and we're morons. I mean filmmakers uh, who yeah, both enjoy enjoy uh, picking apart films, bringing what we know or think we know about this whole game of storytelling um, to to analyze films. And it's nice because I think the 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 fun thing about movies is that you know it's a reprieve from reality often and even whenever we're covering something like this you know true crime uh it, it, i think there's still moments to just kind of eject um and look at things from the thousand foot view and so you know hopefully uh we can be that for other people as much as movies can be that you know for us uh yeah so
0: yeah i think what what we like to do really is is like kind of deconstruct people's thinking mm-hmm. right because really all the movie is is a series of decisions right and so a decision of a camera angle or a lighting or you know the actor's decision on uh what to do in the scene or, or director's decision on on what uh blocking is going to look like or like uh editor's decision on what you know cut so and all of the, it's so funny because all of those add up in every single way. It's, it's a series of tens of thousands of tiny decisions that add up to a feeling. And that's what we're trying to get at is, is just, okay, why was that decision made? And, and we say it all the time in the podcast, we don't like to tear movies apart. You know, in fact, I think we go out of our way more than most to not do that uh, because I I think we understand. And I think most of our listeners understand the difficulty of, of making a, a, film of making a good film and how really hard that is. I mean, you know, it's not just a person in their room, nine times out of 10, 9.999 times out of 10, Uh, it's not just a person in their room making all the decisions themselves. It's hundreds, maybe even thousands of people. And so it's incredible that that actually can come through and give you a feeling, you know, it's impressive. Yeah, it's impressive. Yeah. it, it, It deserves conversation and this podcast. Nicely said, man. Hell yeah.
1: Nothing to add. What what are we going to cover today?
0: Yeah, today we are covering Bong Bong Joon-ho's Memories of Murder. So if you haven't seen it, uh, please pause this episode and go watch it. It's streaming on Hulu right now.
1: Yes, we'll cover a few things. We'll look at some of the cinematography. Uh, We'll look at the wonder of the crime scene towards the beginning. We'll also look at the first frame and last frame and see if that tells us uh, any interesting story as well as looking at some of the story and writing themes of misconduct we'll also discuss uh, true crime the utility versus entertainment um, aspect of true crime stories uh, and other such stuff and things and stuff
0: and a quick synopsis in a small Korean province in 1986 two detectives struggle with the case of multiple young women being found raped and murdered by an unknown culprit it's directed by Bong Joon-ho Screenplay by Bong Joon Ho and Sung Bo Shim, based on the play by Kwang Rim Kim, cinematography by Hyung Ku Kim, starring Song Kang Ho as Detective Park, uh, Kim Sang Kyung as Detective Sao, Park Hae Il as Park young Gyu, and No Shik Park as Kwang Ho holy shit bro i don't know i don't know it's the (laughs) harder the names are the best like where was i just now (laughs) (laughs) the better i do if it's like peter john i I can't read it you know (laughs) i don't know if you were right on
1: any of those but the smoothness and the confidence i am convinced
0: leave all this in we're not cutting any of this out <laughs> i like the praise because normally i get such shit for like, just, i don't do much on this podcast except for read like four words and i can't ever do it right <laughs> except for right now I think it.
1: oh well done mm. so i don't have a clip to play just because it's it's all in korean um, and unfortunately, I only speak English and really bad Spanish, and so yeah. <laughs> neither of which is going to be useful to anyone. And so <laughs> what uh, I, I guess, for one, I definitely want to hear about, you know, your experience watching this uh, because it, it is, you know, uh, a brutal story and it's taking place and a different country and it's a period piece. So there's just all kinds of things that are happening from our perspective as Americans uh, watching this 20 years after it was made. And so like, there's just all kinds of things, especially when you consider that this killer was recently uh, found. And so a lot to discuss. Um, Yeah. Dive in man.
0: Yeah. So, so I watched this knowing nothing about it and You know, I didn't even know it was based on a true story Mm. um, or that the killer was found. What was he? He was found in 08, 018 Uh, or in 18, like 2018, 2018. Okay. Like four freaking years ago, unreal. Um, And he admitted to even more murders than what are in this film. So yeah, I watched it not uh, knowing much about it, but I was instantly, I instantly like thought I was in the 80s. You know, I didn't, I had zero idea when this film was made, zero idea. Wow. I didn't know it was made in 2003. I thought it was maybe made in early nineties or in the eighties. You know what I mean? I I truly did. That's so cool. it added, it added to it. It added to like the, the artistry of this film. The first 10 minutes I was floored. I, I don't know what it was. It, there was a, actually, I do know what it was. So they, they set you up really well. Uh, Bong Jun ho set you up really well by giving you, you know, something random. You're just in a field, right? You're on a path in a field. And and then something awful, something horrible where you see the body, right? Under in that kind of gutter um, underneath that slab of, of concrete. And in the middle of that, there's this kid that's annoying as shit, <laughs> annoying the detective repeating every word he says and then and so your feelings your emotions are being pulled from one place to another to another to another and it's it's actually really wonderful Hmm. because in in a in a scenario where normally movies will they'll they'll beat a feeling into you they'll force you by you know whether it's through like gore or something, like really showing you a lot of detail of the body and stuff like that, they'll force you to feel icky, or scared, or sad, or uh, nervous. They'll they'll and they'll sit in that, you know. And sometimes that's great, that's really great. But we're in an opening scene here, right? And and not knowing, you know, how the movie was going to play out. It kind of like sets up the movie in a lot of ways because you have these this sadness and this this fear of the of this horrible thing happening, but at the same time, you're also have these funny things happening constantly, all the time, throughout the whole thing. I mean, uh yeah. So I after the first 10 minutes, I was like, Wow. I don't I've never experienced a film like that that's done that to me, where I know I know exactly where this is going to go. Wow. I know how I'm supposed to feel and I'm going to feel that way because that's how I do movies, right? Like you, you, I'm, I'm going to take what you give me. Yeah. And, uh, and then you, and then you give me something completely different at the same time. It was amazing. And then, you know, throughout the whole film, I'm learning that the main detective is not really the main detective. He's like a joker guy who does things like goes to bathhouses to find a shaved man, you know, because he thinks that that, you know, he's like, not really. So, so the main detective, quote unquote, is a secondary character to this Joker guy and to this Joker detective. And I'm not saying he's bad. He's actually really good. He's just going down the wrong path at first. And then it, it kind of, the story brings him into, to being a better detective or like to taking it more seriously. Right. Rather than just assuming, oh, we're going to catch this guy. Um, And I thought that that was a really. Another really interesting twist that you don't normally see, you don't normally follow, like, I don't know, you don't normally follow that in a movie like this, you follow the detective who has it, who's or like who's serious about it. And, you know, like Zodiac is a good example, right? Super serious about it, super like on it this guy was boring, you know, like doing, you know, explaining to the, to his director, uh, you know, we found this and, you know, with the the easel and everything. And so it was, a, it was just, it was interesting because I had no idea what was coming next or what development would happen next. I didn't know if they were going to actually catch the person or not, because I didn't know that they hadn't. Right. Mm-hmm. And I just knew it was based on something true. I just didn't know that they hadn't caught him. And then, that last I, I didn't know it was going to happen at the very end either obviously obviously you never do but it was an incredible little moment of breaking the fourth wall where he stares straight at the audience and for me I I didn't look up anything about it because I just wanted to see like you know like what I thought and I felt like I felt like even though he's moved on with his life this detective and he is doing something else with his life he's selling juicers now. he's still looking and he's looking at the audience, trying to find him still. That's what I felt. like he's looking at me like and I'm I'm sitting there I'm in bed like watching this and I'm like looking around me like who are you looking at bro? I didn't do it you know because I know what you do to people when you think that they do it. So um, I mean, I thought that at times it was just kind of like totally crazy. Another, that was another last thing I'll say is that, uh, before I let you speak <laughs> is that I thought there were some really, really other really wonderful moments of just total anarchy, hmm. complete anarchy where, you know, they do these long wonders and you have one detective screaming at another guy across a field and that guy screaming at somebody else. And then they're fighting or whatever. And it's like, Hey, don't roll you know, don't run over the, the footprint and all this stuff back and forth. And, and it's just insane. And I'm, and internally I just want to tell them shut up oh my gosh I can't follow you and then right about that moment it just ends and then you have this calm and the calm is such a difference from the craziness that just ensued that it's just jarring in a in a wonderful way because mm-hmm. you're just it's welcome um, but then you also get it too especially later on when when they're just so frustrated you know that that kind of thing, probably would happen where they just get so frustrated and start yelling and fighting and everything. So anyway, I, it, it was a masterclass in filmmaking to me. I thought it was incredible.
1: I loved what you're saying about the opening because there is this element of mundanity to it. Like we're, it's not, yeah, highly, you know, uh, not just not dramatized. Um, but it's, it's with this, lens right that isn't long it's not short it's a regular lens um so it's not heightening anything it's not going over the top pushing the envelope it it feels like we're there and a lot of the cinematography here is a lot of wide shots and it's very theater in that way right um these dolly moves and steady cams whatever all that stuff but generally we stay in a lot of these wides and it's immersive. It gives us a really strong sense of embodiment. Like we're there with him. We're, we're there watching because we can get such a good view of everything. Uh, there's a nice depth of field so that uh, there's a lot of details in the scene that we can, you know, brush our eyes around and uh, just kind of take it all in and choose a little bit more of what we want to look at versus what the director is going to force you to look at. Um, that does create a lot, of, a lot of immersion, and it's really well done in that opening scene because by not going to those longer lenses or not going into these really, really wide lenses and getting really close, right, where uh, everything just heightened and sensationalized, uh, it helps set you in that this isn't that. We're not doing that here, um, which I love uh, with true crime because there is this back and forth that I go into with myself that I don't think our society wrestles with enough um, of what what should we what stories really should we be telling and why um, when it comes to real life? I don't mind stuff at, at some level. Everything is inspired by real life, you know. Um, even science fiction and fantasy have these elements of our reality inserted into them to to explore humanity. But when it comes to actually telling a true crime story, something that really did happen. Uh, I get really my stomach goes into knots because these are real people. these are real things that happened and and how you choose to tell that story I think matters um, with with what you're trying to accomplish as a storyteller, as a filmmaker um, because you know there's there is utility. I think l- watching this film, I walk away with a lot of thoughts and ideas about justice and about the process and how the process matters. like it's not just, Did we get the bad guy? Um, How can you know if you got the bad guy if you didn't really follow the process? And this movie is really exploring that. And I have a ton of notes where I was just walking myself through that. Uh, And I'm glad we're doing this movie just because this one, this has been one of those that scared me um, to, to cover because how can I? I, I get intimidated going to some of these movies that I know just have mountains of thought behind it. And I'm like, am I going to really scratch the surface? Um, or am I just going to not contribute to the conversation? Um, et cetera. Like, and I know people have like looked into this. I think there was a every, every frame of painting episode about this. I don't really remember much. I know he did. He touched a lot on the cinematography. And so hopefully I don't like bounce off of any of his ideas. I'm, I really tried like you, I tried not to look up anything and just stick to what I'm watching, what I'm feeling and experiencing, but it just seemed like there is something there is a utility to to going over this and looking at these horrific crimes versus some we and there's so much true crime out right now. there are so many people podcasting and you know making series limited series, and some of them feel like man, this is. This is worth watching. This is worth stirring up these emotions. I feel like the victims um, are not being used for exploitation. They're being used as something that we can really grow out of and take something away meaningful um, out of something that is otherwise meaningless that, you know, a lot of violent crime is. And so I I, I get really knotted up over why was this made? For what purpose? they there's certainly some recently made that I'm like, man, this is, I wonder if the filmmakers had any sense of irony when they made this thing. Um, Because they're, they're exploiting in the same way that these victims were exploited. Right. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's pretty grotesque. Um, And so I wrestle with that and I hope everyone else wrestles with that as well. And I'm not shaming anyone who for, for consuming that stuff. Um, It's out there, it's created. And you can't really know unless you do consume it. Right. That's right. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's part of the, it's part of the game. It's fine. Um, yeah, it's totally fine. I, yeah, I, I just think it's worth discussing and analyzing yourself and analyzing, you know, the, the makers, uh, to some degree or another, and I'm not here to shame the makers of that stuff either. Um, I just hope they're asking themselves these questions. Um, I don't think that I could ever tell a true crime story. And if I did, if I was ever did finally feel compelled, which I've never once felt compelled. But if I was compelled, I this would very much be the style. Right. Because I look at what Bang Jun ho did here and it's I agree, man. This is a masterclass. This is uh, a workshop in storytelling um, and performance um, and subtlety and nuance and all the things that you and I really want out of a film um, is delivered here uh, in spades. Yeah. And so I don't know the I'll, I'll jump through some notes and just mm-hmm. interrupt me as, you know, as, 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 things pop up, but the cinematography uh, just to continue on that, you mentioned that crime scene at the beginning, there's that really good wonder where we just walk through this crime scene through the perspective of detective park. That's the guy um, who's at the beginning at the end, right? Um, that feels like this is gonna be our guy. And I love that the so we we start with this one-and it's a great use of a oneer Not every wonder needs to be this hyper-stylized thing. There's this wonder that our friend Scott sent us earlier this week, and it's just a conversation. It's a wonder going through a dinner party and I finally opened up that thread on Reddit and people were like, this is dumb. What's the point of this? And some were like, no, oh th- there is a point to this. Like it's first of all, it's effing Hitchcock. So assume that there's a yeah. point to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. And this, I think is, is slightly different and um, in it's intention, but still is a great use of immersion, right? Just because there's not explosions and, you know, someone getting punched in the face and whatever, like it's immerses us. Uh, it's immersing us and giving us a strong sense of what he's feeling as he's walking through this crime scene. He's getting more and more frustrated with the crime scene being destroyed. Right. Uh, we follow him across this field onto this road. He sees a footprint and he's like, Oh, I need this. Uh, and so he marks it out uh, for, for later And he's starting to walk around. He's trying to get everyone off his crime scene um, because they're destroying it. And then immediately he looks back up and there's a tractor about to run over his footprint. And he's trying to flag it down. And this guy is not paying attention, ruins his footprint. And so we just feel the passage of time will not stop. Everything will not stop for him to get control of it. Um, And I think inserting cuts would begin to remove that sense of helplessness. That's how he's feeling. He's feeling completely futile and helpless, and it's great because we're looking through his perspective of fighting incompetence. Like that's what he's wrestling against right now. Of course, it won't take long for us to realize he is also incompetent. Yes, <laughs> and it's it's a beautiful thing that I think is also reflected in the story of uh, Seo or Su, as they also call him in the in the film. It's. Hard and confusing to follow everyone's name whenever you're not native, uh, but yeah. also um, whenever they're using all these uh, shortcuts, right? Um, nicknames, whatever. They kept calling him Sa, and it took me until watching it, you know, the umpteen time, to be like, oh, Sa is Seo, okay, yeah. And so his story is kind of a new, a, a bigger embodiment of what we ourselves experienced with Park in the first, you know, five minutes, ten minutes. Um, as you were talking about. And so going back to cinematography, we find our first suspect pretty quick with Quang Ho, um, this mentally handicapped kid with the burned face. Uh, Quang Ho is interrogated. And I love this frame early on. This is after he's been interrogated for God knows how long, um, at least a day. But then we're introduced to Detective uh, Su. He comes into town, um, which is its own microcosm of the bigger problem with you know park and his eye test <laughs> but he comes into town and there's this great frame where after picking up uh he goes uh park goes back to the crime scene with the shoe and he plants this evidence right oh i'm going to take a photo of the shoe and now i'm going to use this photograph and so they're waiting for the photo to be developed and they're all sitting around and they're watching uh, inspector, whatever, uh, detective inspector, or, you know, whatever it's called. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's this great frame. I love it because it's a frame of them eating with Quang Ho in the front of the frame. They're watching this TV show about a detective. And in the back of the frame is our new inspector who's doing actual detective work. He's going through the files. He's reading stuff. And it's just this excellent commentary through visual contrast of these detectives who are more fascinated at watching someone play detective than actually doing detective work. Um, And it's just right there in the frame uh, through the new guy versus the old guys. And then cinematography wise also love. And I think you're right. The first frame, last frame. so the first frame um, is the boy looking at us. Oh no, he's catching a grasshopper. Right. And then we find out, He has a jar full of grasshoppers. And then we fast forward to the last frame and it's park looking at us, right? Looking into camera, like you said, breaking the fourth wall. And it's like, he's right. Looking at us, like you said, because everyone is a suspect and it very much rides on the heels of what that girl said, right? He looked plain, ordinary. Um, what does a killer look like? That's one of the bigger thematic questions that they're asking. What does a murderer look like? He looks like you and me, but there's something else I think they're doing with this first frame, last frame, because they're comparing detective park to that little boy, little boy was collecting these grasshoppers, right? Um, he's got a jar full of grasshoppers. And so on the one hand, you can look at detective park is looking into the audience and looking for the killer he's still searching alternatively i think it's uh interesting to recognize that the little boy at the beginning is symbolizing detective park and that it's detective park looking back in time at himself reflecting on his work and how he treated people with such contempt and carelessness as this little boy collecting grasshoppers he was collecting suspects in that same way yeah.
0: putting them in this jar yeah, it's it's very. Dude, I love that. I, that gives meaning to the way that they were to the. It gives meaning to the all the terrible shit they did throughout the, the film. Because I was watching that, thinking, how are they getting away with this shit? Like really, you know, like is that something that they that they typically do? You know, in Korea, when they arrest someone, they just beat the shit out of it until they force them to 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 give a confession. But then even then, later on, they belittle. A confession you know with the the director saying uh or whatever his boss saying saying it's just a confession you know as in like that's not enough so why mm. then beat them into into confessing it it didn't make any sense to me but that explanation actually makes it make a lot more sense he just never grew up enough you know to be able to like stop collecting grasshoppers yeah yeah because
1: wow. and if you and i think it's reflected right there in the beginning of the scene with what you said he's this kid look at how the kid is mimicking him he's repeating his words yeah. he's imitating his gestures and so i think he's trying to bong Jun ho is trying to spell out this kid is a representation of detective park so that i don't feel like i'm you know fabricating this because it's cool like i think it's very intentional on oh, the director's part brilliant, brilliant. so good so good. Like you said, it's a masterclass. And so let's look at some of the story in writing. I think there's a lot of bad ideas and police ineptitude that just shouts through this entire film from the beginning. It's poor forensics, right? Like kids at the opening, the very first scene are destroying evidence. Um, crime scenes are constantly ruined and trampled. And then, so that's right off the bat ineptitude kind of stuff. Uh, inability to control your crime scene that's that's their job and then you have detective park with the eye test right and the whole idea of the eye test is this old school detective thing of gut instinct right i just know it i know it in my gut you know and it, which is of course bullshit but detective park right after his frustration with people ruining a scene right makes this claim He could tell the bad guy just by looking in their eyes. Right. And immediately the chief tests Mm them. He's like, and I love that we don't get the answer to this little test. Can he spot the difference between the rapist and the brother that turned him in? And we just sit there. We study those two guys for a minute. And I love that. We don't get that answer because letting him guess wouldn't have revealed anything Mm -hmm. because it's simply not possible and it's not a good way to achieve justice, is by looking at someone in the
0: eyes and determining if they're guilty. What, right? Yeah. I at that moment I expected on it in a typical film to to get at least a guess. Yeah. Whether we whether we know that he's right or not, we might not get, but we'd at least get a guess, and it, which which would then lead me to believe that he was right. I would just assume he would be right as a viewer. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's it's that one you know, and then move on, you know, solidifying even in the slightest way that this is the main guy and he knows what he's doing and he's got it under control and he's, he's with it, you know, but no, that we don't even get that. He doesn't give us that. It's great. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. I love it.
1: Same thing happened. And what's great is they come back to it. I mean, throughout the whole film, of course, but yeah, I think they directly come back to it after the, they find the suspect in the factory, not Hyun-gyu, but the uh, the masturbator, right? The, the guy who went to the yes. crime scene. They chased him through the village and into the factory. And they're looking for him. And Park, we see immediately, he finds the guy through the red underwear. He recognizes the underwear, and he's like, oh, that's the guy. But what does he do? He says, round him up. Okay. Wait, you. And he grabs him, right? And then he stares him down. Yeah, take him, right? <laughs> and he's passing it off as reading his eyes like he has that instinct, you know, when in fact it was actual normal detective shit that, that brought yeah. him that suspect in the first place. And then next on the list of bad ideas um, is inspecting the shaved men, right? We need a guy who's had a Brazilian wax. That's what we really need. And like you said, it's this comedic beat where we go with him in the spa house, um, and he's like mm-hmm. looking at little boys.
0: He's like, "Bro, this isn't good. This isn't Dude. good." Oh. And then finally, his his uh, boss is like, "What are you going to walk around telling men to pull their pants down? Like, oh,
1: so stupid, so bad." Um, and then after that, we're not done with bad ideas. No, we're gonna con- we're gonna consult a shaman, right? <laughs> which leads us to the crime scene and the the potential suspect right with the the guy in the red underwear and next on the list of bad ideas and i don't think i even have an exhaustive list here uh, but we have the tons of coercion planting evidence this isn't useful this doesn't create you know the you're you're trying to summon the victim through planting evidence this right park uses Quang Ho's shoe to to create false evidence and then after that they start digging a grave for him right to threaten him uh, to course him in and then he starts talking and what a great setup and payoff because now you have this guy who's talking and we're seeing it through uh, uh seo's eyes because he's watching them do this and you see the the kid start going through the details of the scene we're just assuming this has all been rehearsed it's not until the end of the film that we find out, no, he actually never rehearsed that. Uh, That was a genuine, like, him seeing something. But because he had ruined his his, uh, credibility through all this other stuff, we never assumed that he was getting genuine new evidence. It just clouded up uh, all of this potential evidence and utility uh, because he was being such a shit detective. Um, and similar to that right they find this dude in the red, red underwear this masturbating guy at the crime scene which is like well this deserves to be investigated uh, and instead of like doing their job right they hold him for four days they strip and beat him he's not allowed to sit right this is torture this is just flat out torture and then he starts confessing and he's not the guy <laughs> like what do you, what what of course anyone starts confessing if you torture them long enough, like I would love to think I'm some special human being that's uh, going to hold fast to his principles, but I'm sure if you waterboard me, uh, if you know, you, you beat on me, strip me, don't allow me to see, uh, sit down all these things that, you know, you can do to make someone say what you want to hear. Um, even young you at the end, right. Is he's like, that's what you want to hear, man. Yeah, I did it. Fine. what, does it matter? Doesn't matter what I say because you've already made up your mind. Um right. that, that all you know. Next on our list of bad ideas that look like good ideas, the pop song. That really does feel like a good lead. And I don't think anyone at the end of the film reflects back and says, That was a really bad, bad idea. I mean, it was worth exploring, but it can't be it can't be the thing that says yes this guy is guilty because it's so circumstantial right the pop song leads us to park young-yu the factory worker with smooth hands and we want this to be the guy we've been suffering through this entire film and now we finally have all this circumstantial evidence right he works at a factory near the victim, some of the victim sites he's got soft hands like the surviving uh, surviving victim stated uh, he requests a song played on the murder nights and he seems cold and dodgy. He's ex-military. Does that mean he's capable of violence? This is our guy, right? And so Hyung Yu throws in their face during this uh, interrogation, right? That they torture people and that he refuses to be one of them. And if you just stop and consider what he's saying, it's like, why wouldn't he be cold and dodgy? He knows what he's up against and it's a losing battle. And so then he's assaulted, right? He says, I'm not going to be one of these people that you, uh, you torture into confessing. And then he's assaulted immediately, right? Yeah. Um, and Detective Suh uh, is even now transitioned. He's moved into the dark side because we move away from that scene. Um, and it's him and uh, Park, both with their face on the desk, right? They're on the same level now. And it's comparing them as now being the same, I think, visually. Um, because now, what what's he doing? He's advising to beat the suspect within an inch of his life. And like you said, Park is like, "Well, what's that get us? It's just a confession." He's like, "We don't have. We need a witness." And Sir is like, "We don't need a witness. A confession will do. Let's just freaking in this." And that's that's really heartbreaking. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that. Bang Joon-ho didn't make that a bright, heartbreaking moment. He just kind of lets it be um, at this kind of natural progression. But if you sit and think about the arc of this character, you, it is heartbreaking to see that he's no longer satisfied with doing the job. Um, instead, we're identifying with him. We're, we're starting to agree with him. It's like, we got everything we need. This is our guy. Let's just get it. Because we feel the shift. We've been identifying with Seo this whole time. And now we're exhausted. We're tired of the killings. We want this to be over. We want to catch the killer. And it's a movie, after all. We need justice. We deserve justice. We're going to find the answer. Movies give us answers. And I love that because this is a reflection of what these cops at the beginning were doing. They're watching this TV show where a detective gets his guy. A detective always comes up with a bad guy, he finds the missing piece of evidence just in the nick of time before the episode ends. That's how justice works, right? No. No, no it isn't. Not if you're telling a true honest story. And so what does that what does that get us in this movie? Seo trails Yu, right? He just stays stays to him. He follows him to this restaurant, right? And this guy is eating by himself and he's watching him from across the street in his car. And I love there's this very subtle moment that happens where these two women are walking by the restaurant and they stop and they look inside the restaurant and what do they do? They shudder, right? They hurry up. They kind of gather together and they hurry off. This guy is an outcast now in his small village because of what they're putting him through. And so it better be for a good reason. You know, he gets on the bus, but sale loses him. And now he's freaked out because he's like, I, I don't know where this guy is. We're, you know, this is our guy. And now he's, uh, it's raining. He's going to go kill again. And what, the chief is like, hey, stop. Wait for the evidence. This guy's day is going to come. We're waiting for the evidence. It's raining. He's going to kill again. The girl gets killed, right? And it's the same one that uh, he met, you know, earlier in the film. Oh, uh, the, that one was heartbreaking. That was rough. With, with the Band-Aid. With the Band-Aid. And this is the only victim... We really see, I mean, I guess we don't see her get killed. We see one girl early on, which is a great, great moment of the terror that this woman is going through, right? The singing and the whistling, the guy pops his head up out of the field in the background. And now we're seeing this other girl who's going through the beats of everything that happens to these women. Uh, She's being choked. She's been stripped. Um, Now she's having her panties put over her face and you're just you're helpless. Um, We never see the killer. And I love this movie for this kind of moment because it's not glamorizing serial killers, right? We never once identify with the serial killer. We identify with the victims. We identify with the cops trying to look for the victims, uh, killers, killer. And it's, it's, it's really just tastefully done, I think is the best way to, to put it. And so, he comes up on this crime scene of this girl that he met. This and he he sees them pull off the band-aid that he put on her. And now he he's he's frustrated. He's seeing all these people around, and now uh he covers her up, right? His empathy, his humanity is overriding his job. He's starting to do the same things Park was doing. He's destroying evidence, he's tampering out of compassion, and now that same level of compassion is going to compel him to do something. Take action. I fucking hate when people say this kind of stuff. Seo pulls out Hyun-gyu, beats him into a confession, right? Takes him to the train tracks, starts wailing on him, pulls a gun on him. He's about to kill him, right? And it's so powerful because it's what we believe too. We think this is the guy and the evidence didn't come in fast enough and we're we're just wanting this to be over. Evidence comes up right then and there and shows that he's not the killer. And this is the most telling part of the whole film. Seo doesn't believe the evidence. He believes his gut. Mm. And now Park is trying his best to like separate. Save, only, that, save his life. Save <laughs> his life. And then oh, it's this terrifying moment where Park grabs the guy Says, look me in the eyes. Right? And we know what he's doing. He's been doing it this whole film. He's trying to figure out this is the killer just by looking in the look in the eyes. And what does he say? He says, fuck, I don't know. Do you get up each morning too? Are you a human being? Are you like everyone else? Could could the killer be like me? That's the question he's asking. And we now can see the importance of evidence over our instincts. There are no shamans or psychics that can see into the heart of a man. process is more important than instinct looking for, there's this moment, you know, if we rewind probably 15 minutes where they're looking for Quang Ho and they discover that he was a witness. He wasn't the killer, but he saw the killer and they, they, find detective moon right who's now under investigation for assault um and he's drunk in the same place where kwang ho hangs out and he starts this big fight right and he's beating on i think is it the dad kwang uh, ho's dad uh that he's beating on he's beating on someone mm-hmm. and kwang yeah. ho sees it um and he comes in and he fucking nails him sorry yeah <laughs> um, but, but he nails him with this board not realizing that there's this nail in the board right and he stabs uh, Detective Moon in the leg with this rusty nail. And of course, it festers, it turns into an affection, and Moon loses his leg. And I think that's so symbolic because it's the same leg he used to assault suspects with, right? He'd put that little booty over a shoe and just kick the ever living hell out of people. Kwang Ho, um, that other suspect, Hyun Gu. Uh, Now his dad, like this is the same leg of injustice and it's the one that's also going to be amputated. And I think it's it's symbolizing, right, that those practices need to be truncated or it's going to kill the body. It's going to prevent you uh, from having the justice that you want and ultimately it's going to ruin Uh, the rule of law, right? Because a nation of laws needs to respect the process to achieve justice. It can't just be do something. It can't just be anything, whatever, whatever it takes, uh, because there's a process. If you want to actually accomplish your goal of getting the right thing done, you need to follow the process. If you just want something done, you're just going to get a result. Yeah. I guarantee it's not going to be the result that you want. And so do something can't just be do anything. It needs to be what's the thing that we'll have that's going to get us the killer, right? What's the thing that's going to get us the outcome uh, that we actually want? Um, And this is, it's interesting watching this film because even though it's in Korea, you can't help but feel like, man, there's a lot to learn from this uh, locally as well. Because I also wonder how much of our media these cops are consuming, right? They may have been watching some Korean show, but I mean we invented TV shows to to some degree or another um, even if we necessarily haven't perfected them. Yeah. I, I love that arc of Detective detectives and his slow fall from grace through the agony of, you know, just feeling lost and incapable of, of stopping terrible, terrible things from happening. Um, We all feel that at some point or another and at the end of the day, you know, uh, you, you need to follow the process. It's there for a reason. It's there. It's there to help you, you know, even as a detective, it's there to help him because if his goal is to really to stop killings, then it's going to help him to follow the process so that he stops killings. He doesn't just put something in jail and now you feel better and you can sleep at night because you, you, you caught someone. Um, and I, yeah, this whole movie is just a really fascinating deconstruction of of that concept of following your gut instinct versus, you know, achieving a just outcome.
0: Yeah. And it's so funny that I mean, it's the other thing that makes it so brilliant is is I mean, I, I, the research that I did afterwards was a man was uh, was was sent to prison for life for one of these killings that he didn't do what that this yes so so and i guess it was i don't know 20 years ago he was this guy uh, i just looked it up Yoon sung yao admitted to one of these murders and to one of these like many and was in he filed for an appeal it was denied he served 19 and a half years until 2019 when lee who is this, the, the main guy guy who they finally caught admitted to that one and 14 others and 30 plus sex crimes. And then finally, so this Yun Yao was finally released and acquitted and uh, of all charges. And it, and they did an investigation and a, a bunch of officers who were part of that, who basically framed him, which is exactly what happened in this film basically framed him and forced him to admit to it, uh, were were convicted and sent to jail. The guy who actually did this was serving time for killing his sister-in-law, I think it was, or something, oh, wow. a family member, right, and yeah. was going to get out of jail, and then admitted to all of this, and... But, and is still in jail, right?
1: Yes, but I also want to say, and I'll double check this and put it in show notes, that the reason they, they caught him was
0: DNA evidence. DNA evidence that they couldn't get 20 years ago or yeah. 30 years ago, whatever. Yes, it was DNA evidence. Um, and I just think it's so prescient that this was
1: made in 2003. Yes. And the emphasis on process and uh, judicial you know, examination was or uh, uh, police, you know, due diligence um, was ultimately the thing that still paid off. It paid dividends,
0: right? Twenty years later, almost. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's it's pretty amazing. And the shittiest part about the whole—well, not the shittiest, but a, an additional shitty part about it was that even though he admitted to all of those murders, he can't be convicted of them because statute. of the statute of limitations. I don't think we have that. And like, I don't I, think of murder for murder. Not we don't for have murder. That. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for some things, I think for rape, we do. Yeah. Correct. You know, correct. but not for murder, not for which murder. is ridiculous. Absolutely. Like, ugh. that's really shocking. I don't like, know why you would okay, ever look, have a get, statute of limitations exactly. on that. <laughs> exactly. I get a statute of limitations for like maybe like, like Grand Theft Auto. Right. Honestly. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, they got another car. You know, nobody's really hurt. It's, you know, I can kind of get that, even though I really don't still, but this, no, not a murder, no, I mean, or rape or anything like that. Just, I don't care if you did it 40 years ago, you, oh. your ass is in jail forever. Um, but anyway, it's just such a crazy, crazy thing. Yeah. Crazy story. Nuts. But, but yeah. I,
1: I have just a really deep appreciation for the the tact and, yeah. and, and not trying to give us a satisfying ending. In fact, forcing an unsatisfying ending um to kind of underscore the 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 whole message and it's funny we I, i i have such a you know love hate relationship with true crime and i'm just surprised that you know we haven't covered a ton of true crime stories like catch me if you can spotlight i think shattered glass would probably fall under that it's a little around the edges um and then, of course, I don't know, maybe Die Hard, um,
0: but <laughs> that's not true crime. It's, what are you talking about? You just wanted to say Die Hard. Fight
1: me. It's a, yeah, a okay. Die Hard right. happens. Yeah,
0: because that is it's real.
1: <laughs> no, but it, I, I, I don't know. Do you have a? I don't know if you've ever really thought much about the the genre of true crime. Do you have a, a feeling or an opinion on you know the 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 utility um, versus the glamorization of some of these things?
0: I I think I feel very similar to the way you do. I think most of the time it's just done more to glamorize it and to get people to watch it Mm -hmm. uh, rather than, you know, tastefully like this, you know, we, we, we see shots of the bodies, but they're very sparing and short. It's not about gore. It's not about shock and awe. It's, it's about whatever it is about, right? The process or, or lack of process, whatever, Mm -hmm. Um, but nine times out of 10, whenever, you know, it's, it's a Western version of this. It's all the things I don't like about it. Um, to your point. Uh, and I, I also, I've never been into them. I, I, I'm like, why would I want to see that for real? Why would I want to be reminded that that's out there? It, if I really, you know, if I really did, I'd become a detective. I would do that for a living. It's like, why? I, I don't, I don't, I don't know, but. I understand that I do understand the human fascination Mm. with extremes of whatever that is of, of experiencing extremes without the danger. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like, if I can, if, you know, that's one of the reasons, you know, like uh, uh, the Top Gun movie, right. You can experience the extremes of the, of the planes without being in the planes and experiencing the G force, but you can see the effects right. Um, On, on a face or something as it pulls back. Those kinds of things I think that human beings like really gravitate towards. And the also the, the desire to have an outcome, which this film didn't, right? There is no solving it. There is no finding the person. But most of the time in true crime films or stories, they find the person. And then that gives the sense of I got to experience the danger without being in the danger. And now the danger is completely over. Because yeah. that person is in prison. I mean, I think that a lot of people also like the ones that are not solved, right? Mm-hmm. Unsolved mysteries, you know, is a, is a thing. But I just have no desire to know that those kinds of people are running around, even though I do. But yeah. to be reminded of it. Yeah, you know?
1: I agree. I think you're right. Like being able, and that's storytelling in a nutshell, uh, being able to experience things that you probably don't want to go through yourself. Yeah. Uh, and I guess there's also the aspect of what can you learn about humanity, yeah. by you know this is all i guess ties into more self-preservation of what what can i learn that they did that i shouldn't do or or by extraction like can i prevent this from happening to me i think there's some layer to that i struggle a lot i remember having this conversation with dave uh, about reality shows and i was like man i can't stand reality shows like what can I learn from this? And even as I said it, I could see the answer coming. And he immediately was like, well, you know, it's it's social, like, right? These are social things um, that you can still pick up on and social cues and social conventions and norms. And um, it, there is some utility, even if you
0: don't personally enjoy I it. I don't agree with that <laughs> at all in the least i know people that have been on those shows and there is zero reality in any of it so whatever bullshit he's feeding you is bullshit sorry Dave. Right. but i can i can entertain that that notion i guess sure sure if you want to play ignorance yeah you can entertain the notion i get it i get it
1: oh that's so good yeah. um yeah i think that's about all i have for for memories of murder man
0: yeah dude I, I thought that that was brilliant. Um, I really loved this film. I'm I'm glad that that you picked it to do because uh, I had never heard of it before. And and you know it's just very it is very interesting. I don't have a desire to watch these things a lot, but when I do, seeing something done in a way like this, where it's just brilliantly done in every way, yeah. is is wonderful.
1: Experience. It's funny because you've watched several of Bong Joon Ho's films, like you sometimes actively seek it out. And so it's yeah. just funny because I feel like this is a movie that usually introduces people to him. Whereas you started with the host and, yeah. uh, you know, Okja and Parasite. And it's like, Oh yeah, I'll go back to like his first mega. Well, I guess in Korea, this was probably a smash, but yeah. So it's just kind of amusing, I guess. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I think it was just, it was a little bit more subdued. Mm -hmm. right yeah a little bit more I don't know there was a lot of a, a lot of things happened but in a way that was just just kind of like uh soft like it just kind of like happened instead of it being forced upon you kind of like the host right and so it was it just unexpected I had no idea what to expect and and it it was more of a film than it was a movie to me Nice. Uh, for whatever for yeah. whatever reason. So anyway.
1: Nice. What uh what are you gonna recommend this week?
0: Oh, okay. So so last week I recommended um Under the Banner of Heaven. Under the banner of heaven. And right after I finished that, I was fed another another show by Hulu that I just decided, you know what? I'm just gonna watch this now. Uh it's got Jessica Beale. I knew it. In it. Yeah. You knew it? You yeah. knew it. Um <laughs> Uh, it's called Candy. It's streaming on on Hulu, and i I loved it. I thought it. I mean, which is funny because it's like you know, crime. It's a true crime mm-hmm. show, but it's it's less. It's not about gore necessarily, even though there is some gore, obviously. Uh, but it's it's just
1: a she story. Does a great job.
0: I mean, I don't see her at all in this. You know, I, I love films and shows where I know the actor or actress. Or actor, we're just calling it actors now, yeah. where I, I know the actor, but I don't see the actor. You know, it's a very famous person. You know, that's one of the reasons why Heath Ledger, his, his Joker will be iconic forever because you don't see Heath Ledger. You just see the Joker. Mm-hmm. Forget about the makeup. It's the same way with Jessica Beale on this. I don't see her at all. And I thought that all the acting was really, really great. And then it, the whole setup for the end, which I had no idea uh, about was was wonderful and jarring uh and so anyway candy nice. is what i'm going to recommend
1: yeah nice i'm going to recommend another film that's uh it's not korean but it is uh on that kind of topic it's called blue bayou it just came out on well netflix is not netflix hbo is streaming it right now um but it's been on my list for a while it did really well at, at on the festival circuit and it's starring... I've been watching a lot of Alicia Vikander lately. Yeah. She is so, so good. Uh, Irma Vep has just been amazing uh, just for her performance. Like, the show's fine um, and interesting. Episode one is excellent, but just watching her play all these wildly different characters is uh, very satisfying. Um, and so it, she's in it. Uh, it's written and directed by the lead actor, um, Justin Chan. And... I I just loved it. It's, it thrives in this naturalistic language, both performance and cinematography style. And I'm really impressed. I'm starting to study this uh, cinematographer, Matthew Chuang, who also shot, God, w- you will not be alone. I think I recommended that um, a while back. Yeah, you won't be alone. And it's just funny because I watched that and I was like, yes, this is very much how I like to shoot um and i would say it's like 90 percent of my style and then watching blue You, i was watching it and i was like man this is again like this is probably 85 percent of my style this is um and so just watching it i had to pause a few times to go and write and make notes um edit my script uh and then resume and then i got to the end of the film and i looked up who shot it and it was the same guy as you won't be On. i was like oh well god yes perfect but it's a it's a it's an Really strong movie. Um, it takes maybe five to ten minutes before you start sinking into its style. And it's heart-wrenching. It's beautiful um, and it, just excellent. Just absolutely fantastic. And so Blue Bayou, um, I won't tell you necessarily what it's about. I think it's more fun to just kind of let it go where it wants to go. But I will say it's it's about a guy who was born in Korea, but he's American Um, and it's his story of, it's just interesting, you know, hearing this, whatever creole accent, Cajun accent coming out of this guy, um, who's clearly American and you see how the people around him react to him. And yeah, there's a lot you can take away from that. And I think that movie asks people to take a lot away from it, uh, from that experience. Uh, it's, it's got a very strong message and worth, even if you don't, care about the message it's still just a really good watch um yeah so watch it for a thousand reasons watch it for that watch it for alicia vickender watch it for the cinematography um yeah worth it i love it nice so flipping flapper the dolphin what oh stay tuned for next year uh next week we are covering uh the new pixar film Lightyear. And so we'll see what that's all about. Yeah. And if you're enjoying the show, don't forget to drop us a review, subscribe, um, wherever you listen to us on Apple podcast or wherever else. And if you want to drop us a note, you can do that too. Big shout out to Seth from Morgan for sending a very cool email. We got a good, uh, laugh and appreciation from your last comment, about uh todd should score something we think you're right (laughs) yes we do uh nicely done sir it's coming yeah so so appreciate that seth uh yeah and if you want to comment on this episode in particular you can do that at thepestlepodcast.com slash memories of murder
0: and our quote of the day is from j edgar hoover what's important at this time is to re-clarify the difference between hero and villain
1: Ooh. So that's really that's amazing. For those who don't know, J. Edgar Hoover was the director of the FBI. He I want to say he even founded it, but I'm not entirely sure about that. If not, he certainly brought it to prominence, and he created forensic methods um, for criminal investigations uh, that are still practiced today, you know, um, and globally. And he is a big influence. Uh, and it's just interesting to hear him say something like this, right? We need to re-clarify the difference between hero and villain. And if you factor in all the absolute crazy bullshit that he did as uh, during his time as an FBI director. Uh, things like bugging MLK and Malcolm X and lying about it. Um, I think he liter- literally sent um, letters to them. Uh, saying you should kill yourself, like phone calls in the night, like just crazy stuff. Yeah, you're right, buddy. It is time to uh, clarify the difference between heroes and villains, especially when you're muddying the line so amazingly well. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, um, yeah. Well, that's what you say. That's what you say when you're when you don't want to get caught. That's right. You know what I mean? Yep. You you say, hey, look at me, you know, or look at look at look all around you, but. No one grandstands better than the guilty (laughs) Exactly Exactly That's the person, if I'm guilty, I'm I'm up there saying Everyone is a suspect That's right Because if I'm saying that I can't be the suspect That's right (laughs) Whatever Anyway, beautiful. Well done. Well done. Thank you guys so much for joining us. I had a really great time. Memories of Murder was fantastic. I hope that you enjoyed uh, the film too and enjoyed our commentary on it. If you have any thoughts or anything, please leave a comment. Uh, share us with your friends. Like like us wherever you can. Subscribe. Review. All those things really really help the podcast. And we're coming up on 200 episodes. So I can't believe that. That's pretty amazing. Until next time. I am Todd. I am Wes. Go watch the movies.